Strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles. Oh, what a hit! He got jacked. This is the Big Red Raid. Presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. <laughs> the Rage is brought to you by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. The Red Sea is rising up! Temperature rising, vision blurring, rage taking over. Here's Paul Calvisi. I'm ready. I'm 100% ready. I'm telling you I'm ready. And Ron Wolfley. It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury! Week 7 for the Arizona Cardinals is about more than just saving the season. Ron Wolfley, it's about saving the nation from Thursday night football. Oh, no. This country has a lot of problems as we speak here in 2022. And right up there, we say we proclaim bad ball on Thursday nights. (laughs) Somebody has to step up and save this nation from bad football on Thursday nights. How about last Thursday night? You had Washington beating Chicago 12-7 as the Bears were the first team in 23 years to have at least three goal-to-goal drives in a game and score on none of them. And when they did a 40-yard score late in the game, it snapped a stretch of over 107 minutes of game action on consecutive Thursday night football games without a touchdown. (laughs) Think about that. Because we all watched the Colts and Broncos flail around in Week 5 in that 12-9 overtime win by the Colts where Broncos fans left in a tie game right before overtime. That was absolutely brutal, Paul. Or brutal, if you're a purist, Paulie. Listen, uh, can I tell you right now, uh, the thing that's got me all jacked up about this Thursday night matchup tomorrow is just the fact the Arizona Cardinals finally have met another team that has an injury report as bad as theirs. Okay, finally, they are playing another team that has an injury report as bad as the Arizona Cardinals. It is the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford, Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley, soon to be joined by Cardinals insider Darren Urban. Twas the night before Thursday night football and already the saints have declared out michael thomas jarvis landry their top cover corner one of the best in the game marshawn Lattimore, their starting left guard andrews pete and their starting tight end adam troutman Jameis winston not expected to play andy dalton expected to be the quarterback he's not 100 percent. he'll make his four straight starts so yes the saints are banged up el grande and you know what hey Cardinals at this point at two and four, they'll take it, will they not? Yeah, Paulie. You know, honestly, uh, today they actually made the announcements on some of the guys that were out for the Saints, and I broke a a Wolfley rule. I did. Uh, I broke a rule. I I actually was like, yes. <laughs> cheering for the fact that you are going to have Marshawn Lattimore out. You are going to have Jarvis Landry out and Michael Thomas out. And I, I literally cheered for that, and I felt like I was an inch tall after that right there. As a former player, Paulie, you want that, man. You know, give me the other guy's best. Don't worry about it. Yeah, it's going to be, unless it's Lawrence Taylor, then you worry about it. But you know what? Give me the other team's best guys, and we're going to go out there 
player, and we're going to beat them. I don't want to beat a team because they were decimated by injury. Well, you know what, Paul? What changes all that is being 2-4 and four right now and playing the way the Cardinals have played, man. I'll take any break the Cardinals can get right now because they have been decimated by injuries as well. And they'll definitely take the return of DeAndre Hopkins, the D&D Hop standing for debut. He is back, and just in time because they just lost Hollywood Brown for at least a month. That's, uh, that's, that's just part of the Cardinals' injury report. They also lost Justin Pugh in a game they lost at Seattle. And, Wolf, you heard it after the game in our post-game radio interview. I'm here to tell you as the first media member into that locker room, um, guys were not happy. They were not happy after a 19-9 loss at Seattle where you had won won five of your last seven. Your offense went out there, managed three points uh, against the worst defense in the league, at least statistically. And even though there were certain guys who played really well, like Zayvon Collins, uh, the mood was not joyous at all. In fact, here's your middle linebacker after the game. I think a lot of guys are just pissed off because we lost. You know, we got to see how we're practicing, see what we're doing, go fix it. Something's got to change, you know. If we do the same thing over and over again, and then expect a different outcome, it's gonna—it's what's called insanity. You, you, you're not going to get anything from it. You care to speculate? What needs to change, Doctor Wolfley? How do you diagnose this two and four record so far? Yeah, Paulie, and I'll get to that momentarily. I just want to say I'm so glad to hear Zayvon Collins say that they were PO'd. I'm so glad to hear that he was saying guys were really, really upset and guys were angry right now. Paulie, I can tell you, um, I've got a Ph.D. in losing, as you well know, um, a decade, of course, of futility. I've been on a lot of football teams that were bad, a lot of football teams that uh, went out and lost games. And guys would come in, and guess what? They weren't PO'd. They weren't mad. They weren't ready to break anything. Um, so much of the time, I, I did not feel comfortable ever being in that type of situation, yet I was in it over and over and over again. So let me just first acknowledge the fact that I'm glad there are guys that are willing to chuck their helmet from time to time. I'm glad there are guys where the vein sticks out of the side of their neck from time to time and starts screaming things. I'm really glad there are guys that look at two and four and think, this This is ridiculous. This is not who we are. I'm glad there are guys that are upset by that. Having said that, Paulie, and and it's really it is more difficult. It's been the last two games too. Uh, Let me just say there was um, some passion after the loss at home against the Eagles. It was audible. It was visible. It was visceral. It was palpable. All the above. So it's not for a lack of effort or want to. But again, and sorry, sorry to intrude, but yeah. How, what do you do? Where do you channel all that frustration? Yeah, it's, it's a great question, man. But honestly, let it be channeled on the line of scrimmage because um, this isn't going to be news to anybody. I just will continue to say this over and over and over again. I do believe the Arizona Cardinals need to do a better job of attacking the line of scrimmage in a north-south way offensively. I think this will help their team. This will help their team uh, become less predictable, even though you are actually becoming more predictable. If you put your quarterback under center, I think Kyler has got to accept this. I don't know who is dragging their feet on it. To me, this is just my opinion. It doesn't make me right. It's just my opinion. I think they got to do that. They've got to expand their offense and be a little bit more diverse. I-, I think of the Atlanta Falcons. I don't know if you've seen the Atlanta Falcons play football at all, but I love the fact they'll take Marcus Mer- 
Mariota, a guy that is a dual-threat quarterback and not the quarterback that Kyler Murray is. And they'll stick him under center for a third of the snaps and then the shotgun and then the pistol. All of that comes together, I think, to make your offense more diverse. And that's what this offense needs, in my opinion, is diversity. They have to be more diverse in the schemes that they use. And if you do that and run the ball in a more north-south way, I think it will clear things up for Kyler, especially knowing DeAndre Hopkins is going to be back tomorrow night. It was interesting. Vance Joseph, in his weekly meeting with the media, was just asked about offenses in general, and he goes about game planning, and he said, I always start with the offensive line of the opponent because he said that's how you can dictate a game. He said if you can run the ball, you can play action pass, you can get four yards per run, it allows you to dictate the game. This is Vance Joseph. I almost wondered if it was reverse psychology and perhaps sending a message, just talking about everything that an offense could and should do, what he sees in New Orleans, for example. And he said if you can't block up front, you can't play offense in this league. It was interesting what he had to say about that. And then, of course, he was asked about this short week and how you get a defense ready. Here's a defensive coordinator, Vance Joseph. On a short week like this, your system has to take over. We installed some things about a week ago that we put in for this game. You know, So the guy's been running a little bit in practice and not running in the game. So as far as putting in new schemes, that ain't happening this week, right? So the things that you've been good at, you know, you push those things out and – to me, the advantage is defense because, obviously, it's on our terms. We can bring pressure. We cannot bring pressure. So, to me, it's an advantage for defense to you know, play on these short weeks. Interesting on a couple of accounts. Number one, that the ball is in his court, and you know how aggressive he likes to be and how he tries to dictate a game based on his calls. And then number two, they started putting stuff in last week, getting ready for New Orleans and, and this offense, which has been run heavy, has it not, Wolf? I mean, been one of the best rushing offenses in the NFL. Yeah. No, they are. I, I think they they are an elite team in terms of running the ball. Number seven in rushing yards per game, and number three in rushing yards per play. Paulie, the the New Orleans Saints know how to run the ball, and they do it not only on the perimeter but also in a north south kind of way. Yeah, just listening to Vance Joseph right there. Um, as soon as he said, you know, putting in new schemes, we're never going to put in new schemes. That's when I think a coach is going to put in new schemes. Games. Been- as as, that's what I'm saying, Paul. Yep. You never, yep. I never. Whenever I hear a coach, especially um, one who is as bright <laughs> as Vance Joseph, when I hear him say, "Well, you know, whose yeah. crazy people put in schemes during a, a, a Thursday night week." Yeah. Attention, you know? New Orleans. Everything you see on film, that's all you're going to see. That's all you you're going to get. Paulie. That's all we have. Yeah, I'm not buying that either. I totally agree. <laughs> And, and look, just because they have a lot of guys banged up doesn't mean New Orleans doesn't have weapons, doesn't mean they haven't been putting points on the board. They just beat the Seahawks two weeks ago, 39-32. They put 26 on the board against the Bengals. They led that whole game basically 58 to 60 minutes, and then they collapsed at the very end. Obviously, they have an Alvin Kamara, who's at 160 yards from scrimmage each of the last two games on average. Chris Olave is back, the 11th pick overall, so... They got dudes, and and then the Taysom Hill has been very effective. We'll get into all that. What else the Cardinals have to worry about with Darren Urban next? Join us at the first-ever Cardinals 5-Can Watch Party presented by SeatGeek Sunday, October 30th. You can run through the stadium, stick around for the watch party, just go azcardinals.com slash 5K for all the details. Watch 
out of the pocket to the right, now throws back across the middle, and it's caught in the back of the end zone by Hopkins, and he got his feet down for the touchdown. Quick throw over the middle, Hopkins has a catch of the 10, turns to his left at the 5, and hits Pater, touchdown DeAndre Hopkins. Throws left in the end zone, Hopkins is there, sliding catch for a touchdown. Sidearms it over the middle, caught for a touchdown by DeAndre Hopkins. Steps up, lobs it back in the end zone, wide open is Hopkins, and a touchdown. Caught by Hopkins at the 10, slips a tackle, runs left to the 5, into the end zone for the touchdown. Throws a fade left side in the end zone, and it is caught for a touchdown by D-Hop. D-Hop caught it. Looks right, throws a deep ball right side in the end zone, and it's caught. It's a touchdown. Touchdown, DeAndre Hopkins. How many times have we said recently, DeAndre Hopkins ain't walking through that door? Well, not only has he walked through that door, he's in that locker room and he'll be on that field Thursday night football. It's week seven on the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford, Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley, and joined by Cardinals insider Darren Urban. Darren, you can confirm the sighting of one DeAndre Hopkins not only in the locker room but on the practice field, correct? Yeah, that is correct. He's been on the practice field. Actually, I mean, technically, Paul, he's been in the locker room for a number of weeks now. I'm surprised you haven't mentioned it earlier. Well, you know, when I say walk through that door, I want to make sure that he can actually walk through the door that leads to the game field before I bring it up. That's a fair point. And Wolf, we all know his value. Everybody now, uh, over the last couple years, the Cardinals with D-Hop are 8-2 and and averaging more than 30 points per game. Yeah, you know, Paulie, once again, um, it's not just his tangibles as well. We all know about DeAndre Hopkins. We all know about his ability to catch the football, does it extremely well, his ability to run routes. It's not like he's a great route runner. It's an amazing thing to see. It's not like he's a great route runner. All he does is get open. <laughs> that's that's all he does is get open. And then when you throw him the ball, even a contested catch, a 50-50 ball is really an 80-20 hop ball at that point in time. There's so many tangibles that he brings to the field. But you know what, guys? He also loads up that swag bag, and that's what I love. He brings a lot of swag to this offense. And guess what? I think this offense needs that, especially tomorrow. I mean, last time we saw him, think about it. He was oozing the swag in the Tennessee joint practice when he told A.J. Green, I'm going to go out here and start clowning guys with one-handed grabs, and that's exactly what he did to Titans DBs. He's that kind of guy. Look, we all know what DeAndre Hopkins is, and and we all know what he brings to the table. And no, he's not the miracle cure, as, as Kyler was saying earlier in the week, and he's not the savior, as Cliff Kingsbury said today, but... Um, he goes a long way towards those things, I would think. <laughs> uh, and I, I do think he's going to make a, a rather large difference in the offense. Now, they have struggled to the point where, I, I mean, if, if he would have come back last week after the Philly game, I would have been a little bit more like, okay, this he could turn the corner. They took a step back last week in Seattle that just seemed very weird, and I don't know if it was the timing or – or, or what exactly it was, why they played the way they did. Um, but uh, they, there obviously are things offensively that they need to fix beyond hop, but hop, having hop is definitely a good start. And look, this is the ultimate intangible. But remember we had A.Q. Shipley on the Big Red Rage not too long ago, guys, and, and he said the thing about Tom Brady and winning a ring with Tampa was that nobody wanted to disappoint Tom Brady, that he raised the level of expectations. 
Uh, Kurt Warner did that around here once upon yep. a time. Uh, Carson Palmer did that around here, running a Friday practice yep. himself on a game week. So I thought it was interesting when Cliff Kingsbury told the media earlier today, he said everyone picks up their level knowing the expectation that Hop has for himself and for this team. Is Hop that guy, Wolf? Could Hop, Usually it's the quarterback. I was but, say. but in this case, could Hop be that guy, a much-needed guy who expects more out of everyone right now? Well, first of all, I do believe DeAndre Hopkins is a future Hall of Famer. Okay, that's, that's my take on that. I don't know how you guys feel on that. Um, but once again, just like J.J. Watt, who walks out onto the field, and every time he takes the field, um, he's one game closer to actually being in the Hall of Fame as far as I'm concerned. Um, everyone knows that. All his teammates know that. I know what it's like. I, I played guys with, with Kevin Mack, and I don't know if you guys hold him in regard the way that I do. You probably don't. But having said that, Kevin Mack was a great, great football player. And just playing and blocking with him, Jerome Bettis, blocking for Jerome Bettis. Let me tell you right now, you you hit that hole, and I never needed anyone else to try to motivate me and get me ready to play. Yet I will admit that the presence of Jerome Bettis and Kevin Mack and blocking for them totally took me to a level I, I didn't even know I was capable of. I honestly think the same thing applies. J.J. Watt has this impact on the players around him. DeAndre Hopkins has that impact on the players around him. And every great player that isn't a jerk, and I mean that sincerely, every great player that steps onto the field that isn't a jerk has the same type of impact on his teammates. Well, Hop did say he felt bad about letting his teammates down the six-game suspension for performance enhancers. He does still maintain his innocence to a large degree and does still maintain that more will come out after the end of the season. But for now, here's D-Hop when he was asked just about his mood and whether he got down during the suspension. I've been through, you know, a lot of hard things in life, man, a lot of mishaps. So, um, you know, football is obviously a game that I love. It's hard not to play it. But uh, when you deal with real life, you know, growing up, you know, um, obviously I felt like I let my team down, but it wasn't something that um, I was going to, you know, let myself mentally get down knowing that we have 11 games to play when I get back. All right, let's keep it real, D. I mean, what do you expect? What's a realistic expectation? You know, on one hand, you're like, man, this guy's coming into week seven. He didn't even have a real practice week. I mean, even Cliff Kingsbury said he hasn't played real ball, live ball against a corner in a full contact, full football situation in nearly a year. So what's realistic? Well, I mean, it is football. When we say what's realistic, ultimately, to me, that means what is what are you comfortable letting him do? What is uh, Buddy Morris and the strength and conditioning uh, coaches comfortable letting him do in a football scenario? What are the are the is the coaching staff comfortable? What I mean, it, it's realistic for him to play the whole game. Why wouldn't it yeah. be? He's healthy, okay. and and he's been working out. Now, whether he's super effective in a football setting, doing that is a different question. It's uh, you know, is are you going to be able to get him open? Is he going to be ready to to create that separation as much as he can? Uh, or is he, as he was pointing out uh, this week, how much he did this early in 2021 before he started getting hurt? Is he, I don't want to call him a decoy, but is he more of a drawing the rest of the defense so that other guys are, are making plays, which he did very well last mm-hmm. year. So, you know, he could have a huge impact and play a lot and still not have giant statistical numbers. 
That all said, it's a short week. Uh, Thursday night games overall in the NFL usually do not lead to giant offensive games. Especially <laughs> recently, we've already documented so, that. So, <laughs> you know, I... I, I don't. I'm going to be honest. I don't know exactly what to expect. The way Kyler's playing right now, dropping him in there, whether Robbie Anderson plays a role. Uh, but I'll be stunned, quite frankly, if he doesn't have eight targets, at least eight targets. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of Kyler, here you go, Wolf. Here he is. Of course, he was asked about DeAndre Hopkins this week, and uh, Kyler said, "Hey, uh, yeah, we're very familiar. He's one of the best ever play. So, I mean, that 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 speaks for itself." Um, everybody loves him, you know, respects him, um, understands what he brings to the team. Um, when he's out there, you got to account for him. So we, we'll get him going. I'll say this much. If there is one player in the NFL who can play without practicing, DeAndre Hopkins has been that guy. <laughs> I'll just say what? that much. That's Paulie, can I just jump in here and say, why would this be a surprise to anybody? Honestly, it, I, I will be surprised if DeAndre Hopkins goes out there and shows any worse for wear that he hasn't been playing the game of football because the one thing DeAndre Hopkins is is a football player and not enough people really recognize that in him his attitude and the fact that again he brings so much swag with him and the accountability that he has walking up to his teammates and telling his teammates what for Paulie you've seen that yourself on the sideline this guy this guy is a football player. He's going to be rested, if anything else. He knows how to catch the football, doesn't have any problem catching the ball. He knows how to get open. I, I expect we're going to see DeAndre Hopkins. I will be shocked if we don't see that. Well, I half-jokingly asked J.J. Watt earlier today, I said, wait a minute, if Thursday night football means everyone has heavy legs and Hop has the ultimate fresh legs coming into this one, then what could that portend? What could that mean, right? And to Darren's point, it's not all about, you know, D-Hop lighting up the box score. He has other value, and you know who knows that? DeAndre Hopkins himself, and he pointed that out to the media. I mean, obviously, one person can't go out there and win a game. But uh, it does help having someone like myself out there um, who can dictate a lot and, uh, you know, dictate how defenses, you know, play us. As he said a little bit later, D, he said, you know what, there's a lot more to football than just fantasy stats. I'm here to help create mismatches. So how much do you think just the presence of D-Hop creates a trickle-down for the rest of the Cardinals' offense? Well, I mean, I think ultimately that's that's what you were hoping all along. That's what you're talking about possibly having. That's what you're, you're counting on. There's some trickle down, and again, we don't know what form that takes, whether it is the giant statistical game like he did against San Francisco to open the 2020 season, his first game, where he and Kyler didn't have a whole lot of uh, time because of COVID, and then DeAndre barely practiced in training camp, and then he had, what, 14 catches for 150 <laughs> yards? And like 16 yards. targets. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. it could be that, and it, or it could just be, hey, we're, we're drawing people away from Rondale Moore or Zach Ertz or maybe Robbie Anderson. I, I don't know in what form it's going to take. I'm curious to see what the Saints have out there. They do have a solid defense, but they're going to be missing their best cornerback. And, you know, does Kyler have time to be looking for DeAndre Hopkins with all the injuries that the Cardinals have up front? And here's the other thing, Wolf. We all know when he's covered, he's open. If he's single covered, throw him the ball. It's one of those rare guys like a Larry Fitzgerald. The quarterback has to keep that in mind. 
Yeah, Paulie, but once again, his impact on this team, it's its not just throw him the ball. Yeah, that's great. He will catch it. But for me, Paulie, it's the fact that he makes the coverage very, very clear to Kyler Murray. He simplifies Kyler Murray's reads to a point where Kyler can spread the ball all over the place. That was the one thing he did. Well, you know, the first seven games when the Cardinals were 7-0, and of course, and rolling, he cleared up secondaries for Kyler Murray, and that's what I expect him to do, and I think Kyler will spread the ball because of it. So we mentioned the last couple of years with D-Hop, they've averaged 30-plus a game. Without D-Hop, they've averaged 19.4 points per game. That is a huge difference in the NFL. We continue with the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Snap to Smith, drops back the throw, pressure in his face, he's in trouble, and he goes down, he's sacked back at the 21-yard line. Cam Thomas, the rookie, first career sack for Cam Thomas. Shotgun snap, Smith, deep drop, looking, steps up, hit, sack, back at the 13-yard line by Zaven Collins. First career sack for Zaven Collins. In trouble, and it's my Jay Sanders back there for the sack. Taking down Geno Smith. Great speed from my Jay Sanders, the rookie from Cincinnati, off the edge, getting his first NFL sack. Back to pass goes Smith. Here comes my Jay Sanders. Smith gets out of there, though. He's running far side. Then Zaven Collins sacks him at the 20. Good pursuit by Zaven Collins. How about Zaven Collins? The two sacks. I mean, he just loaded up the stat sheet. He had nine tackles at team high. He had two tackles for loss, two quarterback hits, a pass defense. And then you heard the first career sacks for the two round three rookies in Cameron Thomas, my Jay Sanders. What did uh, Cliff Kingsbury call my Jay Sanders this week? The prototype? Wolf, that could be a nickname in progress. You know, work on that, Wolf. I can't do everything around here. There could be a potential <laughs> nickname for you on the Big Red Rage presented by Santan, Ford, and Gilbert, Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley, Darren Urban, and a Cardinals defense. Darren, you tell us. I mean, they've allowed 20 points or fewer each of the last four games. That's winning football in today's NFL, is it not? It really should be, shouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, I mean, if you – would have told anybody before this season, quite frankly, if this defense was going to be giving up 20 points a game or fewer. Uh, I mean, you would have thought that this team was going to win a lot of games. And yep. the fact that they've done it in four straight games and gotten one win out of it is is stunning in a lot of ways. And and it's it's kind of where we are. I mean, you, you nobody nobody thought this defense was the kind of defense that was going to be holding teams to 16 points a game or anything. And I don't even know if that's necessarily possible in today's NFL. Um, but the, the job they're doing now and, and who they're doing it with, and, and we, you know, we heard the MyJ Sanders stuff uh, in the rejoin, and, and Zayvon Collins played well last week, and they're starting to get some production out of these younger players. Uh, the secondary, the cornerbacks, have held up pretty well. Yeah. And they've done an excellent job against the top receivers uh, on other teams. So, again, this, this is why I think – Look, there would be a lot of concern and teeth gnashing over this offense anyways, but it I think it's just compounded by the fact you see what the job the defense has done and know that, quite frankly, the Cardinals have missed out on some opportunities. If their offense was just middle of the road at this point, they'd be in much better shape. I mean, you talk about receivers and non-factors. How about DK Metcalf, Wolf, and Tyler Lockett, Lockett combined for four catches on 51 yards on 12 targets? Once again, Vance Joseph taking away the other team's best weapon. 
Yeah, you know, honestly, that is something he's done a very, very good job of here, and Byron Murphy as well. Byron Murphy is having a Pro Bowl season right now. Now, I realize it's only through six games, and I think Byron Murphy, I remember talking about Byron Murphy in the first two-thirds of last season as maybe the most improved player on the team, and he kind of tailed off at the end. I get that. that He wasn't alone in that regard. There were a lot of players doing it, but this year right now, the defense to me, what a surprise. What a pleasant surprise it is, and it is filled, guys, with a bunch of young guys that are making plays. Derby, we're talking about it a little bit, but Zaven Collins gets me excited. He gets me excited because his his arrow is pointing way up. There were a couple of games in a couple of plays in the Rams game that I was really disappointed in Zaven Collins. And yet I will tell you right now, um Zaven Collins has responded to that challenge of of a couple of bad plays, and gone on to play much more consistently from that point forward. And I love listening to him as well, guys, yeah. because he you can just hear the maturity in his voice. He's, he's getting on top of these schemes, and that's giving him a lot of confidence. You know, as Zach Allen told us a couple of weeks ago here in the Big Red Rage, when it comes to Zayvon Collins, the NFL is a long way from the AAC and where Tulsa plays football. It's a vastly different brand of football. And for that reason, it takes some guys longer to get acclimated, especially when you're in a thinking position like Mike Linebacker and calling the defense. In fact, Vance Joseph tried to explain that to the media this week. They've got to play to get better, obviously, but the... You know, the question for a coach is, you know, is it is it worth those four or five plays to win or lose the game? Obviously, that's a balancing act for a coach. You know, some guys get it quicker than others. It takes some guys longer, but once they get it, they get it and they play well. But I think with Cam and, and Zavin and um, Isaiah and Sanders, it's been a good timeline. It's been on their terms, I should say. You know, and that's, that's what you want as a coach. I read into that just the whole risk-reward thing. Right, Darren? Yes. You know. They're never going to be completely ready. They're going to have to learn on the job to some degree, but they can't be such a liability that they're directly responsible for losing you a game. Well, and that's that's with every – I mean, it doesn't have to be a young player. That's that's the measurement of any player is, is it worth having them out there for whatever reason, uh, and, and that's kind of where they were. And, and you know, they, they, they let uh, Devon Kennard go, and I think in part because it was time to start getting these guys – a little bit more playing time, and um, I think it's going to make a big difference. Now, as J.J. Watt made the point uh, at his locker this week, you know, they're not putting them out there for 20 snaps. They're putting them out there just enough, and these players know, okay, I'm out here for this limited amount of time. Let's make the most of what I'm doing out here. And in Seattle, that absolutely happened. I mean, if you would have told me after the game that my Jay Sanders had played less than 10 snaps, I would have been surprised because it felt like he played more because I thought he made enough of an impact. Enough things happened that I noticed, Um, you know, Cam Thomas to a lesser extent and certainly Zayvon Collins, who is now playing 100 percent of the snaps every week. And he has been. Um, he's he's definitely I, I I go back to him for a minute and I just think to myself the narrative at the beginning of the season was especially right before the season was Zayvon Collins what 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 is this team doing why did they let Jordan Hicks go why are they letting Zayvon Collins play and obviously the first week didn't go all that great for anybody on the defense 
But that's completely disappeared, and it's disappeared for Zayvon Collins in in a big way, not because people are talking about the offense or whatever. It's disappeared because he's doing a solid job right now, and they're, they're, you can't talk about that because it's not a thing. I mean, think about it. The, the Seahawks put 19 points on the board after they had just scored 39 on New Orleans and 48 against Detroit, right? I mean, they, you know, it was 32 against New Orleans, actually. And Geno Smith, under 200 yards passing, zero touchdown passes. Yep. So, look, overall, obviously the Cardinals' defense has dialed it in, and that's what J.J. Watt was talking about today. We've been doing a good job of just trying to put ourselves in situations for success. I think our DBs have done a great job of taking away number one receivers. Um, I think that uh, the D-line's done a good job against the run. Uh, last week we had a couple big ones that we'd like back, but for the most part we've done a good job. But I think that we can always do more, and I think that in this league I control what you can control. And I think that as a defense we've got to find a way to, to keep them to even less points. I mean, I think we've held you know, 21 points or less for a few weeks now, and We've got to try and do a, a better job of keeping it even lower. What else, Wolf? What sort of challenge this yeah. week against New Orleans, especially with that sort of rushing attack? Yeah, you know, it's going to be really, really interesting right now because we don't even know who the quarterback is going to be. It looks like Andy Dalton, as it stands, um, will probably see that at some point in time. Uh, Andy Dalton going out there, but he's all banged up with a back. Um, Jameis Winston, of course, was a possibility. I don't know if he's been ruled out as of right now, but, um, you know, I think we're going to get an awful lot of Taysom Hill. That's what I think we're going to see, and that's where the Saints become a little bit of a question mark. You don't know. They, they run the ball extremely well in between the tackles when Hill is out there, but um, he can also throw the ball, and I expect to see him a lot more, actually, than Andy Dalton, that quarterback. He has four rushing touchdowns, which is like tied for fourth in the NFL, and he's averaging better than 10 yards a carry, Taysom Hill, <laughs> who they list as a tight end, but they play him all over, and we've seen him throw touchdown passes. You saw him rip off a 60-yarder against Seattle a couple of weeks ago. And so it'll be an interesting dynamic. Then, of course, they have Chris Olave, who's coming back, the 11th yeah. pick overall. And, and once again, you figure, because we've seen quite a bit of this, D, is Byron Murphy probably locking up against Chris Olave because they are minus Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry. What's funny is, is Taysom Hill is listed as a tight end, and he doesn't, he's not, but he he's only played, I think, uh, I think my number, it was, uh, he's got 35 snaps, snaps at quarterback. And he's got 33 snaps other places. Yeah. So he's already, I mean, I understand when he's at quarterback, it's a wildcat kind of situation. Although he's, he throw, he's throwing a handful of passes. But um, the, the fact that they don't have either their top two quarterbacks and they still have a guy who's got significant playing time at the position in this league is a huge deal for the Saints. Um, you know, whether he's the guy who starts out there or they try and use Andy Dalton and they split time with Hill, I'm not sure. I do think this. I think that they're hurting on the offensive side of the ball, which plays into this defense and, again, puts the onus on this Cardinals offense saying, okay, I don't think it's going to be a very high bar in terms of points needed to win this game. You better get out there and, and do some of that. Red zone, that's my key to the game. I'm just calling it right now. I don't need to wait until moments before kickoff. The Saints ran for 228 last week as a team, but they were one for five in the red zone. They got inside the 24 times and ended up with field goals. Cardinals have been three of 11 in the red zone the past four games, Wolf, and we 
We know how bad it looked. Basically, the 30 in against Seattle, it it was not good. And so we'll see. Maybe Rodrigo Blankenship, the new kicker, might be a resolution to some of that. Yeah, you know what, for me, Paulie, it's the big red zone. And that includes Marco Wilson, Zayvon Collins, Isaiah Simmons, Zach Allen, Richard Lawrence, Jalen Thompson. I mean, six young guys that the Cardinals are building around on the defensive side of the ball. That's the big red zone. Nice. Hey, you know what else is nice? The Dave Patch Podcast landing the SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey. You can check it out now wherever you get your podcasts on Twitter at PashPod. We'll talk about the newest Cardinal, Robbie Anderson, next on the Big Red Rage. Mayfield under center. Back to throw. Buys time. Deep downfield. Anderson wide open. 25 20, 10, 5. Touchdown, Carolina! How about Robbie Anderson? Listen, just be fast and run by everybody and just chuck it and let him go run underneath it. Yeah, that's a good combo. Speed and size. Robbie Anderson, courtesy of the Carolina Panthers Radio Network, a 70-yard catch and run against the Cleveland Browns. Ron Wolfley are wondering, geez, how many 75-plus-yard touchdowns does he have in his NFL career? The answer would be four. He's in his seventh season, former undrafted rookie free agent out of Temple. He played with the likes of guys in that locker room, from like, like a Michael Dogby. He played with him. I talked a little bit to the Cardinals D lineman. He said, you know, he said he remembered him running a 4 2. Well, I looked it up. He ran a 4 3 6 at his pro day. Robbie Anderson, the newest Arizona Cardinal. And here on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert, we are Santan Ford. Speaking of big, this Cardinals passing attack needs the big play. Something fierce, does it not, Wolf? Yeah, no, it does, Paulie, and that's why it was so frustrating when Hollywood was injured the way that he was. Now, it's good news, of course, that he is going to be back, should be back before the end of the season, of course, uh, substantially so. But um, it was just such a downer because you wanted to see the speed over the top of D-Hop, knowing D-Hop was going to play tomorrow night. And to make this kind of move, some people actually were on Twitter, of course, and called it desperate to make this kind of move. And for me, (laughs) you got that right. Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) They're desperate right now to not change the dynamics of this offense. Think about this. Right here, Paulie, just for a second, okay? Bear with me on this. Let her rip. Splitting out Marquise Hollywood Brown wide. This courtesy of ESPN Stats and Information. That happens 71% of the time. Robbie Anderson actually has been split out since 2019 now. Robbie Anderson has been split out wide 72 percent of the time so hollywood 71 and robbie anderson 72 39 percent of the time hollywood ran a deep route 39 percent of the time robbie anderson 38 percent of the time come on runs they, they literally they went out and got a guy steve kime went out and got a guy that does exactly what hollywood basically does or at least does that theoretically He's got, to, he's got to get a little bit better in terms of catching the ball down the field, in my opinion. But Robbie Anderson, at this point, to get him for a six and a seventh, a conditional draft picks, um, that to me was a slam dunk. And he's going to cost you just under seven hundred grand in the cap. I mean, Carolina's the one who's left with a dead cap hit of $19.4 million. Ouch. So I'm with you on that one. He's got size. He has speed. He fills a definite need right now. And honestly, beyond Hollywood Brown, where were you getting production out of your receiver core? Consistent production. So 
I'll be honest with you, regardless of the one-month or six-week injury to Hollywood Brown, I'm on board with the acquisition of Robbie Anderson. Bring it on. In fact, here's uh, Cliff Kingsbury on whether we might see him on the short week after he just arrived in the AZ. If we get him in, we'll limit it, make sure he's confident. I don't want his first experience to go out there against a really good defense and not feel confident and um, you know, not play up to what he's capable of. So if we do it, it'll be very limited and uh, make sure that, that he knows it. So we'll see how it goes over the next 24 hours. I'm not sure how to take that. I, I'm really not. I, I mean, I, I, it's plausible either way. Like, okay, maybe he's not comfortable enough. But then again, Wolf, it was a few years ago where we saw Kenyon Drake show up on a short week, a Thursday night football game, and he broke the huddle. And he, every time he broke the huddle or they went up to the line of scrimmage, he'd just walk over to Kyler and say, what's my assignment? What am I doing? And he got like 20 touches in the game. And he'd been a yes. cardinal for like three and a half days. Yes, listen, I, I fully expect, I don't know what's going on with Cliff. <laughs> Cliff might be, might be engaging in that gamesmanship. I know one thing, why in the world would you tell your opponent what it is you're going to do exactly? Why would you ever do that? Um, whether it's good or bad, whether you don't think he's going to play a lot or you do think he's going to play a lot, why would you ever divulge that kind of information? I don't know. So I never, I never trust a coach in what he says publicly that's just me okay but man do you remember justin murray paul of course you remember justin murray of course there's justin murray how many how many days before he actually started at right tackle was it paul i think it was three if i'm not mistaken i think we were counting it in hours actually not days (laughs) (laughs) it was incredible i think robbie anderson especially because yes you're going to limit his exposure you'll limit his packages i get that but man run deep, Robbie. Yes. (laughs) This is what you're going to do on this play, right? It's not like suddenly you're going to give him a lot of stuff. He's going to be in a package, and I expect to see him a bit, if not a lot. In his career, he has 11 touchdown catches of 40 or more yards, so he is a big play threat. It it is legit, and as for whether Vance Joseph isn't going to bring anything new to this game, whether we're going to see Robbie Anderson or not, you know what? The gloves are off. You've lost eight in a row at home. The gloves are off. Whatever you have to do, you, Wolf, I mean, cheering on the Saints injury report, I mean, whatever it takes at this point, you need a W. And if that includes doing whatever you have to do against Taysom Hill, which might be the real wild card when he's running the wild cat for the New Orleans Saints considering all their other injuries – in fact, J.J. Watt was asked about the Saints do-it-all player. Throwing in addition to running is an extra element, and, I mean, he, that's, that's what he brings to the table for them. I mean, they, they have him in, you know, 100 different packages. He's out there with another quarterback. He's out there without another quarterback. He's out there with multiple other tight ends. He's out there without, you know, and when they can do that, there's, it creates a lot of different things that you can do. Um, but I think as a defense, that's where it's your job to understand the assignment, simplify everything, and play good football. That's so fascinating right there, Polly, because once again, you know, if he's out there, he could line up anywhere. And what does that mean? The personnel packages, so much of the time, they involve tells, depending on down and distance and area of the field that you're on and the personnel packages. A lot of times teams will have tendencies. Well, when you've got a guy like Taysom Hill who could line up anywhere for the most part, that's really, really difficult for a lot of defensive coordinators, especially, Paul, on a short week. 
No doubt. As for that Saints defense, everyone will recognize Tyron Matthew. He has the Saints' only interception this year, so he'll be out on that field, leading as he always does in the secondary. And then you got local guy Cam Jordan, Cameron Jordan, who has at least 12 sacks in four of his last five seasons. That's a big matchup, Wolf. You have Cam Jordan going against Kelvin Beecham off that right side of the Cardinals' O-line. And then what is the state of the Cardinals' O-line exactly? What are they doing at center? What exactly is the state of left guard now that Justin Pugh has done for the year? Because I think you pointed out in the broadcast, ever since Justin Pugh left the game in Seattle, the Cardinals' production went right down the drain. Yeah, you know what, Justin Pugh is just one of those guys. He is the ultimate pro. He is a guy, okay, maybe he's not going to go to a ton of Pro Bowls. Maybe he's not going to go into the Hall of Fame. This guy, in my opinion, is is what professional football is all about. A pro's pro. If ever there was one, Justin Pugh, he goes out there and he does his job. He's a great technician, and not only that, he's super smart and helps guys around him do their job better. I don't know if we're going to see Rodney Hudson. I would not be shocked, honestly, because I don't think Sean Harlow graded out real well, Wolf, if they made a move with the new guy, Billy Price at center. I'm keeping an eye on that. I just, you know, something I think has to change in that interior O-line based on what went down in Seattle. Yeah, I would agree with that, Paulie. And also Cody Ford, right? Cody Ford is a possibility. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, He is considered a game-time decision. Same with James Conner. We'll see. Man, that would be big if you could get James Conner back, especially if it's going to be a physical slugfest against New Orleans. We'll see. Hopefully they, you know, the Cardinals and Saints can save us from the last two weeks. We had a 12-7 barn burner with Washington beating Chicago. And then in overtime, you had the Colts beating the Broncos 12-9. So those have been the last two Thursday night games. Wolf, I think you're the only one who actually enjoyed both those games in their entirety. (laughs) Special thanks, as always, to Jim Omondro and Cody Fincher. For Darren Irvin, I'm Paul Calvisi. Yeah, Wolf's going to enjoy it either way tomorrow night. Cardinals and Saints. It was ball, baby. Ball. (laughs) This has been the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. You've been listening to The Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club.